This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise, and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Olsher. Oh, welcome to the program. I'm Mary Goulet, sitting in with Richard Otay for Steve Olsher. He's out dazzling an audience somewhere in California. Hello, Richard. How's it going, Mary? And we've got Wade in the control booth, and Kelly's holding down the front. In the office, we're looking forward to our new media summit coming up. Right around the bend. Shoosh, it's, what is it, one one week? No, yeah, we'll be there. I'll be week. there Tuesday. All right. All right. I'm so oh, looking nice. forward to it. And today's guest on Reinvention Radio, we met at the most recent new media summit. Hello, Allison. Hello, how are you? I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited about the summit. I know, it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> It will be. It will be. The last one was amazing, and I'm so excited to be part of this one as well. Where are you at again right now? I know you're in Canada somewhere, but I, it was a name that I never remembered. <laughs> For good reason, maybe. <laughs> uh, Nanaimo, West Coast, Vancouver Island. Nanaimo. Wow. Yes. Literally an island? It is. Vancouver Island is an island, yeah. It takes about, I guess, maybe five, six hours to drive tip to tip. Holy moly. Wow, yeah. that's fun. Yeah, we have surfing here. We have all everything, skiing. Huh. Yeah. So, so, so you're going you're going a cr- quite a long trip when you're coming there this year. I am, but I got to tell you it is so worth it and it's a red eye, so that's not too too bad. I oh. hate red eyes. Don't even get me started on red <laughs> eyes. They crush me. I took a red eye from San Diego to Florida before. Mm. And for a wedding in Delray, and it was just—I was miserable for at least twenty-four hours. Oh no, but that's not good. It I, has a domino effect on her. <laughs> I <might say>. Well played, <laughs> nicely done, Richard. Speaking yeah. of that, so give us a little backstory of your life and how you came to create domino thinking. Sure. Uh, Well, I was a single mom on welfare and uh, way back, you know, 100 years ago. And I met a guy, I was going to university and I was working three jobs and I met a guy who was a house painter and he said, hey, I could teach you how to paint. You'll make more money and you'll get to see your kid. And I'm like, I don't even care what you want me to do if I can make more money and see my kids sign me up. And so uh, that was the start of a relationship with this gentleman. And I learned how to paint houses. And then in 99, he died. And I thought, oh, gosh, what am I going to do? And so I thought, I'll start a house painting company until I know what I really want to do. And then through that, life just got better. I got off welfare. I, you know, started having a really great life for me and my son. And and then I started speaking to people wanting to get involved in the trades. And then the more I spoke, the more I enjoyed it. And then I found myself in an event and I was talking about if we are really as far along this evolution as we think we are of awareness and empowerment and women and all that. And I I don't think we are. And uh, from there, somebody reached out to me and said, oh, my God, you need a radio show like you're so good and I was like oh well you know I'm just talking about stuff and and then domino thinking grew um, as a result of that and having conversations with people uh, about personal accountability really wanting to start this movement called hashtag my part where we start to connect with how we co-create our life and take ownership of that wow okay so (laughs) let's go back and bridge the gap between you yeah. starting your own painting company and then 
jumping into speaking for to people who want to join a trade? Yeah, well, uh, because I'm a woman uh, business owner in the trades, it's it was unusual. And so as schools wanted to get more women involved in the trades, they reached out to me and said, hey, can you talk about your experience and the value of knowing a trade? Because I truly believe everybody should know a trade so that no matter where you find yourself, you can work. And uh, so the speaking started from that. And then I joined Toastmasters because I thought I, I want to be a better speaker to these people who want to listen to me. I don't want to be uh, boring them to death. And and then I started going into competitions and then I, I spoke at this other event. And it's funny how life just takes you down the path it wants you to be on. What's interesting, when you think of dominoes in general, some people think of the domino effect of as you already know what the outcome is going to be. And then others kind of it's just a domino effect of well, what's happening right now, and I'll adjust accordingly. How do you how do you see dominoes? Do you like it all planned out, where you have those intricate courses and you know, or kind of? Well, I think it's uh, life just throws curveballs all the time, so we can never ever be prepared. I think fully for what life throws us. Um, I spoke to a woman one time, and she had this really great sticker on her wall that said, "If you want God to laugh, make plans." And and I really think that life is you know is about that. I think. Though when we do make choices, we have to really consider the cause and effect um, and what the ramifications are as best we can for those choices so that we're making choices with awareness. So I really think it's a combination of the two. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. I mean, it's kind of, Steve talks about what is your what, and but yet he's also a coach and a facilitator and helps people find things that sometimes... You know, it's so the the nature nurture thing comes out, right? Mm. You 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 need to have a goal to shoot for, but then you're kind of adjusting accordingly. And sometimes, where you adjust is better than the original goal. It was interesting. So you have the tagline under Domino Thinking that says, "Have you considered the outcome?" Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Do you think people get lost and worried about the specifics of the outcome sometimes too? Uh, yes, I think, you know, there is sometimes there's a paralysis by analysis where you're like, oh my God, if I get out of bed, I might step on a bug. And if I step on that bug, that's going to throw the whole, um, balance of our ecologic system out of whack. So I better stay in bed. And you can start getting into that fear of doing anything because you don't know what the potential outcome could be. But I really think it's finding that middle ground where you, when you're making the choices, you can consider what the outcome is. Sometimes we're going to be right and sometimes we're not. But if we don't even think about it, then what damage are we doing along the way to ourselves and others without even being aware of it? And, and I really believe that we are all connected. There are strings attached that make us all attached to each other and um we sometimes um are well not sometimes we're often affected by the choices other people make and so to your point there i guess in your book what think opposite is is that kind of helping you think of the potential outcome at the same time is that part of the starting point of mm -hmm. domino thinking or how does the book relate to that yeah, it's it's a it's a book about business, and it certainly is uh, bringing awareness to why it is that you're doing what you're doing. Like, and and then how do you structure your business to capitalize on that? Like, for example, for me, giving value is critical for me. So anything I do, I have to feel like the person on the receiving end has gotten more than what they were expecting. So all of my systems have to be in place to make that happen. 
So there is that awareness of who we are and how that impacts our business. And then at the end of each chapter, I have a domino thought section where it's completely unrelated to business, but have you thought this through? Like, what are the ramifications? So it's kind of a nice break from just thinking straight about business. So tell us more about your hashtag, my part. Yeah. So a year ago I gave a speech and I was talking about the hashtag me too movement and how we have to be careful what we get behind uh, if we don't have full awareness of what the ramifications are and how everything is a double-edged sword, including the Me Too movement. I think it's done really, really amazing things, and I think it's done a lot of damage as well. And when we get on board with something, we have to give some awareness to that. And then I talked about how I was sexually assaulted in high school, and it wasn't until I understood how I contributed to that without shame or blame or letting somebody off the hook or saying I deserved it or any of that stuff. But once I understood understood that I co-created that experience, only then I got freedom. And in finding that freedom, I reconnected with my worthiness. And I believe that we are all born inherently worthy. Like we are freaking miracles. This little tiny sperm finds this little tiny egg and made you, which makes you a miracle and makes you inherently worthy. And then the world tells us we're not. The my part is once we understand how we contribute to something, we start honoring all of ourselves, which boosts our relationship with our worthiness and makes us more responsible for the life that we have and gives us freedom. So uh, that's that's what I'm talking about. I've just finished creating a game around it. And, uh, and it's been a really interesting journey seeing how that simple thing of owning the co-creation has changed people's lives. So how does the audience receive your talk when there's still a lot of energy and conversation around the hashtag Me Too? Right. Um, <laughs> and the self-responsibility for both parties, mm-hmm. I think, is real. I think it's, yeah. you know, weak. women can put themselves in a position that they really didn't need to. I certainly did. And, okay. and I knew every single step of the way I should have been making different choices and I didn't because of my own insecurities, my own lack of worth. Uh, there are people who hear my speech and get extremely angry with me saying that never is the woman to blame and then they're missing the point because this isn't about blaming, it's about reclaiming. And uh, there are other people who are just, oh my God, that changed my life, thank you. So, you know, you can't please everybody. <laughs> right, but your speech title, Victim State to Freedom State, that's... Mm-hmm. That's empowering, uh, speaks to self-responsibility, and th- those two qualities boost your ego. They make you yeah. feel, I don't know, when we own our, our stuff mm-hmm. in life. It gives us strength. And maybe those yeah. people that, exactly, the people that would uh, get angry with you, they just, you planted a seed. They weren't mm-hmm. prepared to hear it, but yeah, I think it would eventually grow on them maybe maybe it does maybe it doesn't i'm um i think when people are ready to hear something they're ready to hear it and and some people are never ready to hear some things and and for all of their own reasons and that's totally fine too i just ask that people consider um different perspectives whether they change their mind or not is entirely up to them and i don't i don't get my worthiness from people changing their mind because who am i to say what they should be believing uh, but i do think it's important for people to consider as many sides of the equation as possible yeah i have two teenage daughters and mm-hmm. i'm always saying to them 
The choices you make today create your future. Yes. So think it through. Mm -hmm. And make choices today that make your tomorrow easier. Not more difficult, right? It's that um, that awareness, that consciousness. Like, good for you for you know talking to your kids about that. A lot of parents don't. Yeah, well, you know that's so funny. I mean, we need to speak to our teenagers in that type of way because they want to be adults, but then they want to be close to me. They want to <laughs> be adults and make their own decisions, but then they don't want to take on the accountability and responsibility. So it's a it's just a growth. Of yeah. moving out into the world. You- well, I'm going to be 50 this year, and I still struggle with that some days. I just want somebody else to, like, fix things. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's it's a natural progression that we go through. And the more we can rely on ourselves to make good choices and to, um, and to strengthen ourselves and by understanding our worthiness, I think the better we are in the long run. You would be a good speaker for the college circuit with your <laughs> message. Seriously. Yeah, I am actually looking into that. I I, I think it would be fascinating conversations. Uh, I just actually had a woman uh, that I met when I was traveling. She was from Sweden, and she was talking about equality in Sweden. And she kept saying, men just have to change everything they're doing and support us better. And I said to her, I said, actually, men don't have to do anything. And she goes, yes, they do. And I'm like, do you even understand men? Have you looked at the world from a male perspective or have you only looked at the world from a feminist perspective? Because I fell into that trap and it wasn't until I started researching male experience and how they are impacted did I actually start having a more well-rounded view about it. And she was so mad at me (laughs) for suggesting that she uh, is, is only looking at things from one side. But alas, we can't uh, reach everybody. Yeah, I mean, it's every time I hear this type of conversation, it gets really interesting to me because I have a six year old daughter, right? Mm-hmm. So, only daughter, right? Only child. And the, the conversation, anything covering time is hard to explain to a kid, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it just seems like the rides to Disneyland seem 10 times longer than the rides home from Disneyland, right? It's like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Right? And this, <clears throat> something you brought up there makes me think of the, just the living in the now. Mm-hmm. And that comes up all the time. But is there really anything except living in the now, but it, we're kind of, we might be not experiencing the now because we're worrying about the future or we're, regretting the past or something right (laughs) but we're still all you have is right now and so it's that balancing act of you're making a choice right now for something could have a domino effect in any direction you can't think it all out right but the decisions you make now do actually have an effect on your future nows Mm -hmm. if if it was just living the now and it was just bliss everything out go go do some heroin you know, but it's going to mess with your future nows. You know what I mean? So probably not a good choice. Probably not. You know, no, but you're absolutely right. And, and so it's interesting to me, like, uh, because unlike every other species on the planet, the horse just comes out and the horse just starts galloping right next to mom. The whale comes out, the whatever. But humans, it's like we're so dependent for six, seven years just before we even get our wheels underneath us. Mm-hmm. And but yet we're learning everything from the outside, and then you got to unlearn it and go back to the inside of your own self. Yeah, 
And that's that's the tricky part, right? That's the part that society doesn't prepare us for. And it doesn't serve society well to have us strong and healthy and comprehending our worthiness. We're harder to control when we're like that, right? Like if we can have a teacher standing, and this is not to diss teachers, we have a teacher standing at the front of the class and makes um, a snide remark, right, about one of the students, everybody else sort of falls into place because they don't want that to be said about them. Mm-hmm. And so if a teacher has a class full of people who stand up for themselves and say, uh, no, I am worth more than the way you're treating me right now, society becomes really unmanageable. If we do it in emergency rooms or, you know, all of those places where there has to be tight control, the more we are connected to our worthiness, the more we question things and the harder we can make things for other people. I am of the opinion, make things harder. Like you're not here to make people's life easy, but question everything. Um, my teachers hated me. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so yeah. I think that technology, we're all buried in our phones, even just walking down the street or through the mall or wherever, we're not aware of how we might be feeling anger, disappointment, sadness, whatever emotion, but consciously most of us don't examine, why am I feeling this way? I mean, Right, we just do something more to distract ourselves. Exactly. I think it's C.K. Lewis has a really good skit on this. Like he talked about when he pulled over on the side of the road and he just cried. And he could have at any time gotten back on the road or checked his phone or anything else. But it's about honoring the way that we're feeling and understanding and settling into that. And, um, and you know, and that comes back to that moment of like the stuff about now that you were talking about, Richard, is that there is that um, there is no story in the now, the story we carry from the past. And so it's like sitting on a plane. I could get really irritated that I'm sitting on a plane for a night night night, uh, flight, but I made those choices. Once I acknowledge I make those choices, then I settle in and enjoy the flight knowing I asked for it. There is no story at that point. It's so funny you word it like that because I was thinking about that uh, the other day when I saw people literally missing the moment trying to capture the moment. Like, (laughs) you know, it was like, wait, like, oh, get the thing, get the camera for the sunset. And, you know, they're running around and freaking out and like, oh, no, it's over there. And like, try to get in this perfect spot. And it was like, (laughs) guys, girls, like you're you're missing the moment right now, trying to be so obsessed with capturing this moment. Like it was just blew me away. It was funny that you kind of reminded me of it when you worded it that way. Yeah, yeah, totally. I've caught myself doing the same thing. Like I'll be at a concert and I'm like, oh, I love this song. I'm going to record it. And then I actually don't experience the song. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So since we're all around the same age, I'm wondering (laughs) when they're going to come up because the app, the the cell phone is the new lighter at a concert, right? We don't, uh-huh. we don't have the oh, concert. Sure. So I'm wondering when someone's just going to come out with an app of like a picture of a lighter. <laughs> so you could just play that during the conference. But anyway. Uh. Yeah, that would change the nature of things. <laughs> well, we get so mired in our own. We're, we're so narcissistic in not a totally negative way. Mm-hmm. You know, we're worried about what people think of us, what how they're going to perceive us. And actually no one's really thinking about someone else because we're all thinking about ourselves. Yeah. And I think social media is definitely contributing to that. Do you guys watch Black Mirror? I have not yet. No. Okay. I would skip the first two. I found them really disturbing and almost stopped watching the show. But there is one in there where they are um, collecting popularity points. 
And mm-hmm. so they're being false to each other going, and how are you look really nice today. Can you rate me on that? <laughs> And everything is tied to their social rating, um, where they get to live, the job they get to have, all of that sort of stuff. And I see that as becoming a potential reality, um, this disconnect with uh, anything beyond ourselves. They they might be basing that off what's going on in, in China. China. Yeah. yeah. Probably because mm. that's been the word. What's going on in China? It's like, I don't remember the exact phrasing, but it's like a social credit score. Like uh, if you're nice, if you hold up the door for somebody like you get ding 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 get a couple more social points because there's just cameras everywhere oh that's spooky yeah that it is kind of spooky <laughs> it right it's spooky to even i mean i'm not a fan of social media like facebook kind of bums me out <laughs> yes and i can understand that and i'm almost concerned about putting myself out there and because I'm stunned if I put out, oh, my daughter just turned 17 or something like that. A lot of people say, oh, my gosh, I can't believe she's already 17. You know, that kind of stuff is OK. But then I I hide and I don't go back on Facebook for like <laughs> another couple months. There's a lot of thumb tough people out there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think what's happened, too, is we don't have that instant ramification, that cause and effect when we say something mean. Like before, we used to have to make fun of somebody and their weight in front of them or behind their back loud enough so they could hear. But we still see their reaction on social media. People can say and do whatever they want and there's no consequences like my son has this guy who comments on all of his posts, tells my son he's a racist and he's, you know, a Hitler supporter and all of that, which is totally, totally not the case. Um, and he talks about gender fluidity and all of that. And then he posts a picture of himself with his nine-month-old child and says, oh, my son is so handsome, he's going to be a lady killer. And my son was like, oh, my God, the stuff that he posts on my my comments or comments on my posts, and yet he's assuming his son's gender and he's assuming they're how they are going to identify sexually. And so there is this disconnect with who we want to be as the social warrior. And then how do we actually implement it or do we implement it in our own life? Okay. I want to share an example real fast. And then Richard, Please, yeah. I have a vacation rental property and it's another house on my property. So I see my guests, you know, if they're coming and going and there was a family, mom, dad, and two little kids, and they would wave at me. Um, I do like concierge, I'll do their laundry for them. And so I did that twice and interacted with them over the long weekend. Everything was, you know, how's it going? Are you guys having a good day? You know, the sun is out. That's awesome. You know, have fun. And they would ask me questions about the schools in the area and, you know, long conversations. She gets home and she gives me a three-star rating. What? So I text her. I tried to call her. I left a message. I'm like, Wow, what happened? I had no idea, no indication. And you know what her response was? You are so inappropriate asking me why I gave you that rating. You, um, your place was a piece of crap. And I was just like, whoa. She hid behind the keyboard. Yeah. And she backed, she doubled down. Mm-hmm. on it. And it probably had nothing even to do with you. It probably has something to do with her own dissatisfaction and she needed to lash out somehow. And so that you were then the easiest thing to do. And I think social media allows us to not focus on what our issue is and get distracted and pretend it's something else. Well, don't worry about it, Mary, because the actual stats are out. 4.3 
is the best stars to have for highest conversion. If they think you're all five stars, it's too perfect. So you need a couple, you need a three every now and again to pull yeah, down right? those five stars a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I was just so... Are people crazy? Yeah, so I, re- I re- responded to that review, not to her. I responded to the review, and that was fine. And yes, to your point, people read through all of my reviews, and if they find a three or a long time ago, I got a one when I first started out, they go, wow, that person seems to have had a bad day. Why are they taking it out on you? Yeah, exactly, because they see all the other ones. So it actually works in your favor. Anyway. But the thing that disturbed me the most, Allison, and Richard, you'll get this, the cowardice. Mm-hmm. There's a true cowardice when people do that type of thing and take away the eyes to eyes, hey, this is really uncomfortable for me, but I want to say that I'm disappointed yeah. or I didn't like what you said. It takes huge courage to do that. But I think social media brings out the coward in a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Oh, it does. And it allows us to, I think, stew about things and amplify things that don't need to be amplified. And and I think it's just, it's becoming socially acceptable behavior to criticize online. And I really believe that if you're not part of the solution, like if there's not a, this wasn't good, my suggestion would be this, uh, then you're just part of the problem if you're just complaining. And and I think if we all took a little bit more responsibility of being part of the solution, then uh, things would be a whole lot better. So if she had to, like, I think Google reviews should be more like that. So she would have to say, I'm giving you a three, your place was crap, but this is what would have made it better. Yeah. Then fantastic. But there is no responsibility for the people leaving the reviews. We had a review done up by somebody who the account's not real. They were never our client and Google won't take it down. Oh, bummer. Right. And so, you know, all we have to do is respond accordingly saying, I have no record of you being a client. Well, it was funny in her her review. She said, well, my husband and I have just very high quality tastes and we are extremely neat and so she was elevating herself slamming me and she didn't take the big picture look and she was insulting the 118 five-star reviews of the people that stayed at my place she was Mm -hmm. kind of insulting them like you guys are not highbrow enough But even the fact that she has to say it is a clear indication that her worthiness is not intact. See? People who believe they're worthy don't have to tell you they're worthy. It was just a very... And I think that that comes out because even though our name may be attached to our social media, there's an anonymous... All right. We can be anonymous. How's that? (laughs) Anonymity. (laughs) There we go. Yeah. And I think that your hashtag my part is a message that needs to get out there to young people as much as possible. So what is the starting point for someone taking responsibility, really? I mean, someone sitting there listening, what, what exactly does that mean and something they could take action on right now? Well, I think anytime we find ourselves saying something along the lines of, this isn't fair. It always happens to me. Why can't so-and-so just? When we start making those victim statements to start becoming alert to it. And then, so take an example of uh, my teenager hates me, right? It's not fair. My teenager treats me so poorly. And if we find we're saying those sorts of things, that's a key for us to stop and go, how am I contributing to this? How did I create the scenario that allows this to happen? 
then start breaking down all of the ways that you've contributed. You know, when he, even back in the day, okay, when he was young, I didn't um, have discipline around this. I let this slide. Okay, great. This is just about awareness. This is not saying you've been a bad parent. This is like, oh, I get how this would lead to this. With my son, for example, uh, I was always in a rush. I was going to university. I was taking a full course load. I was a single mom working three jobs. Trust me, we were always in a hurry. And as a result, my son rushed everything. All of his schoolwork, all of his chores, everything got rushed and not done properly. Once I acknowledged that I contributed to this this way, I could start implementing strategy to offset that. So the first step is to understand where you're being a victim, where you're using that language. And then the second one is just brainstorming how you contribute without shame and blame. That's interesting because when I was talking with my wife about sometimes like leaving the park or doing something with our daughter... I looked at her one time and I said, isn't it strange how I just made a number up? 95% of the time we're having some sort of issue with our daughter. It's lack of preparedness on our part. Like we knew she hadn't napped. We knew she hadn't eaten yet. We knew like, of course, we've been through this ride before. We know how she's going to react. Like, why are we blaming it on her? Like, we're the one that didn't help her get to sleep and eat more before. And so it's, it's, I can see what you mean, but it does take a little bit of that looking in the mirror and there probably really is a fine line between how you don't go into guilt or victimhood Mm -hmm. while still taking responsibility. It's a super fine line. It is. And I always suggest people start with the um, less triggering things. Like if you get super triggered by your teenager, don't start with that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Start with something like the person at the in the grocery store um, was rude to you, right? How did you co-create that? Mm-hmm. You're not emotionally attached to this other person. Um, you probably don't have a lot of shame and blame about what's going on in that scenario. And then when we can um, practice in these more neutral situations, then when we can get better at it, then we can start implementing it with our tougher situations. And that's why I have created um, the My Part Game so that we can practice with other people's scenarios. And because you don't talk about your friend's scenario and say, oh my God, they're such an idiot and they're so stupid because they did this and this and this. Sure I do. You say, (laughs) (laughs) okay. Sure I do, why not? (laughs) But we say, yeah, I can see how her teenager would be upset with her when, when she does this, right? And we're a little bit gentler often on other people than we are with ourselves. So when we can practice it, looking at other situations, it makes it a bit easier for us to self-implement without that blame because we've been practicing. There's so many directions that game could go in my mind. (laughs) What happens when someone grabs you here? (laughs) A gazillion different ways. So your book is Think Opposite. Is that a more recent book? Uh, I think it's a couple of years old now. I think opposite using the domino effect to change your business, change the world. Well, I just uh, I just thought of SpongeBob. You could have opposite day. Oh, oh man, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Wait, did you have something you wanted to share? Yeah, well, I was going to make a comment about the social media, but uh, just uh, to in summary, I love what you're saying. And so some of the lessons I think I'm pulling away from this is you know, like Socrates or Plato said, it, have an examined life, right? Take a moment, 
look through as clear eyes as possible at the current situation. But then there's also the piece of, and then let it go, right? If, if you don't, now that you've examined it, you don't have to worry about it. And it sounds like you're also encouraging us through that to quit setting us up, setting ourselves up for failure, right? Mm-hmm. Like Richard's deal of, of course we took the kid to the park when they hadn't had a nap. So are, are those some of the lessons that you're hoping we'll pull from this? Yeah, absolutely. It's that having, with that awareness comes power. It allows us to make better choices. It allows us to make choices today that make tomorrow better. Uh, when we don't examine things, we're just throwing spaghetti at the wall and hope something sticks. And I think most people go through life in a fog and this allows us to get out of that fog and actually fully engage and participate in our life. Yeah, be like purposeful. All the choices, and we're not per- like I'm not perfect at this. Like I'm having a crap show with my house right now and I keep falling back and this isn't fair. Right? And then I have to remind myself that I co-created this. Right. right? And, and- it's going to cost me like $120,000 or something like that to fix it. But I made choices that led me here. And what that does is it empowers me to um, remove the emotion now away from that situation so that I can then act in a way that's going to solve the problem. But it doesn't ever go away. Well, and what that control, that action is what I was wanting to tie back to social media to encourage this of our audience, okay, is to take more control. On the one hand, part of it is we've got to accept the dynamic Just like in the world of media, in a nutshell, old broadcast media is push, new online media is pull. And that's just a nutshell way of acknowledging tools different. The way we interact with that tool is going to be different because tools different. And all these domino effects that come from that, right? But also recognize that's contributing to a new social paradigm, right? But we, being its disruption and new, we have the ability to control that. So if we don't like Facebook, uh, you know, being anonymous and hateful, then we have the ability to push non-hateful things into Facebook. And so I'm just encouraging people, take more control of shaping social media because we can because it's disruptive because it's all being invented right now rather than simply observing and go boy those aspects suck right be part of the solution exactly yeah so are you a coach as well or you're a you have a radio show yeah, I've just um, I'm about to launch the My Park course so that I can help people walk through this process. And um, I would say I'm more of a cause and effect strategist than a coach because you know when I think of coaching, I think of it being more of an ongoing, long term type thing. Whereas me, I sort of see what the problem is. I create strategy and I move on. And then when people need to come back, then they come back. But it's not such an ongoing um, relationship per se. It must be pretty humbling when people get your message and then they take a mirror and look in it and say, hmm, so I created that. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, and it, and it's good regardless of how it happens, right? Because like, when people reach that awareness, that awareness is always going to be there and it's just going to get stronger. Like once you know how to implement something, you can't not know it. We can maybe not practice it, but in the back of your head, you're like, I'm not practicing this. And it is so cool to see the lives that it's changed. So in your sales piece, 
because I can't imagine, you know, okay, I want to go and and take my part in co-creating the crap show I've got going on in my life right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, if I'm willing to go through the muck and work with Allison on doing this, what is my promise that would hook me? Oh, moving into that freedom state. You know, having being able to fully appreciate and enjoy all the decisions that you're making because, you know, your life is not happening to you. It's happening as a result of you. And when we make that connection and when we see how that can start being effective, you know, we just the freedom in that is massive. You know, I did this unconsciously with my daughters. If my daughters would come home from school and for whatever reason, one of them I'd say, hey, how you doing? How was your day at school? Leave me alone. It was fine. And in the past, I would address them in the moment, like, don't you talk to me that way. And I just asked you how you were. (laughs) Now I let the words just hang in the air until they're finished emoting over whatever happened during the day, bad test grade, whatever. And then they usually will come down and we can have a normal conversation. Mm-hmm. Because we don't know what's going on in someone else's world. So when you right. mentioned the grocery store, maybe the clerk's having a bad day and is just mumbling in, in their own mind about something that's bothering them. <laughs> and yeah. we happen to walk up with a gallon of milk and we're like, what did I do to you? Mm-hmm. We don't yes. know what's going but- But what we've done is we bought that milk. That's how we co-created that situation. So we made choices that put us in front of that particular cashier in order to see that situation. And I know this starts getting a little esoteric, but if we think that – because there's three ways I see that we make choices. The first way is that uh, we have no idea what the outcome could be. So when we're buying that milk, we have no idea that we're going to end up in front of a cashier that's going to be cranky. The other is that we know because we've seen this cashier before and we don't care. So we're going to go through it and then bitch and complain because she was cranky or he was cranky. But we knew it was probably going to happen. And then the other way is if we took a moment to actually think about it, we could probably predict what that outcome would be. Because when we walked in, we saw this person being cranky with somebody else. We could predict they'd still be cranky when we got there. But if we don't take the time, then we end up with a situation we didn't consider. It's kind of like the soup Nazi on Seinfeld. Kind of, yes, <laughs> the yes, soup is so important it. to me. I'll put up with this guy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so when we start knowing that these are the way we make choices, then I say it doesn't really matter how we make the choices because you're still ending up in front of that cranky cashier. Uh, but some people like to understand that process behind, and I get that. Um, but we still made the choice to end up in front of that person. Hmm. Go ahead. Well, I was actually going to kind of go back to how do you look at how everything unfolded in hindsight? Is that how you kind of came up with this domino effect in general? Like, cause yeah, kind the- of. It was. I think it was people were how how are you not a victim in all of this? And then I had to start really paying attention to what am I doing differently uh, that has allowed me to not stay in this victim state because. You know, we're always going to feel like a victim over some circumstance, right? But for me, I was just like a lot of the things that happened in my life, I saw it happening to other people and they became debilitated, whereas I ended up thriving. And so then it was like, what am I doing differently? And then I started trying it out on people and then saw the changes that they were making and and the impact that it was having and how far reaching it became. And then I was just like, I guess this is a thing. 
<laughs> so I wrote, I have a decision-making philosophy and mm. program. It's called Go With Your Gut, How to Make Decisions You Can Trust. And basically, we, my system is we make decisions from our ego, our emotions, or our gut instinct. Mm-hmm. And when, you, when I ask people, look back on your life at the genealogy of your choices. And then you, are, you look back and go, yeah, I knew I shouldn't have married that guy, but I walked down the aisle anyway. <laughs> yeah. Or I knew I should not have invested in that $4,000 program, but I did it anyway. Mm-hmm. And then we can start yeah. taking responsibility and say, okay, I'm not going to get that feeling again or let mm-hmm. that happen again. And that's taking responsibility. It is. It totally is. And there's also, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Right. Um, I think sometimes it's difficult to know the difference between am I just nervous or am I telling myself not to do this? Right. Because those emotions can often feel very similar. Right. And but then after the fact, when things go sideways, we're like, oh, we knew we shouldn't have done it. But if it went well, we're like, oh, it was great. We were just scared and we totally should have done this. Um, The human brain is fascinating and crazy and complicated and simple all at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Powerful, self-awareness, <laughs> self-responsibility, accountability. Um, I, I played the victim card, and one day I got sick of it. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, I'm just going to state the problem and focus on the solution. And I'm not perfect at it, but I remind myself, we've already stated the problem. What's the solution? Yeah. And there's freedom in that. Huge, huge. And when we think about all of the time that we invest in nurturing that story about how we were a victim, my life is a mess because my mom was mean to me when I was five, right? Mm. And then we keep telling ourselves that story and telling, well, you're not five anymore. And you can either choose to have that story follow you around for the rest of your life, or you can look at it like you say you do and just be like, that's the story. What's the solution? I mean, that's part of the kind of law of momentum. Things are pretty much going to be the way they've always been, right? Except, except now. Except not always <laughs> is what I say too, right? And so do you want to continue that way of thinking? You're going to probably get those same kind of results. And if you want to get different results than what you've been doing, then you've got to do something different than what you've been doing. Um, yeah. what, is, what do you think um, – so – hashtag my part and taking responsibility. Do you think that there's something to be said that everyone has a flag that they should just state their opinion? Like, cause we, we talked about how, um, there's people that are th- thumb tough or whatever, and just being mean to people online. But is there something to be said that, you know, we need some of those people to be saying that also to see if what we're doing online really is adding value. I mean, I sometimes even think that phrase is overused, adding value, adding value. And then you like listen to the video and you're like, value what, to who? What, what was the value? <laughs> right? You yeah. know, some value is just to be entertained. Right. So there's a part of me that almost thinks that the people who are the kind of jerky people, there's still even value in them to, we could be looking going, what what am I actually doing online? Am I adding value? Is this something of worth? And I think that's it's super valuable to have people like that in the world. 
Yeah, I do too. I mean, it's almost like without them, we've got a bunch of yes people, and it really gets you to question, you know, do I really believe in this? Or we we don't question it, which is even more dangerous, right? Because we're polarized and we're in a group where everybody agrees with us and we get rid of the people who don't agree with us and then we just think we're more right than we actually are because we are never bump up against the opposition. I think in order for us to understand who we are, what we believe in, we have to bump up against the opposition and we have to explore that side. Yeah, I, yearn, I was talking about that with Wade and Mary before the show, like I yearn for the days when we have a debate where it's actually a debate to try to bring out greater good, not just a debate to look make the, like, the other person look stupid. Right. Yeah. And oh, that yeah. that's a huge part, right? We, we cannot have our so-called opponent dehumanized. We have to still see the other side as having value. They have a reason. They have a life experiences for having the beliefs that they have. And I think once we start to honor that, that allows us to listen better. And when we're able to listen better, it connects us better. Yeah. And, and to, I would think going back in time, when we, t- we use the word community a lot now and people want to build a community. And, but if everybody was just like, la, 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 and this is just fun and no one challenged what was going on in the community, like the community could even get messed up, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, when you're trying to build something online and you, you put something out there and you, and you have the uh, gumption or whatever to say, I'm going to do this new thing called my part and I'm going to stand up and I'm going to say something that's the opposite of what everyone else is saying – how how do you encourage someone to just stay strong in that knowing that that's right in that fine line of that you were mentioning a few minutes back of uh how do you know if it's something to push through because you were just scared at the beginning or if it's mm. something you're supposed to let go because uh, they're going to be getting feedback like is there what's what's your viewpoint on that uh well i I think we never really know if we're making the right choice until down the road and we have perspective. Uh, So I think the best we can do is the best we can do at the time. And so my suggestion is if you believe strongly in it, if it resonates and if it feels truly true to you, if it's a repetitive thing that like this personal responsibility is a repetitive thing in my life. I have noticed it my entire life. There's been definitely programming there um, and, and a passion there for me. And it's been consistent over time. Um, so I would ask people to maybe explore, understand why they're doing it. Like, is this just a knee jerk reaction to somebody else's response or is this something that you truly believe in? And if it's something you truly believe in, then get behind it, be, you know, um, argumentative about it. If that's what you need to be, support it, hear other people, modify, change, and never be afraid to modify and change because I think all of this stuff is very fluid, And we need to be able to go, oh, yeah, yesterday I thought this, but now I have more information and it's changed a little bit. How do people respond to this air about you or this attitude that you're taking of of co-responsibility and what you've been creating in your world? Like family, people that know you before you adopted this new awareness. Um, people who know me weren't surprised <laughs> because okay. this is, I've always um, sort of lived this way. And uh, it, 
I didn't really realize that other people didn't live this way. And then I started seeing the benefit of it. And so people were like, yeah, it's about time. Like <laughs> we, we knew you had this in you. And I was like, oh, why did you tell me this 10 years ago? Uh, but with people who don't know me, yeah, some people really get their back up. Like I've had people after had a woman contact me after my speech and said, you need to go back to your high school town. You need to find that guy. You need to file charges. And, and I'm like, you need me to do that. I don't need to do that. Like I've Ooh, dealt good. with this. That's mm-hmm. a good answer. <laughs> so you do end up, I do end up coming up with sort of pat responses like that. And then, you know, asking, so why do you need me to? And then that leads us into a whole other conversation. She hung up on me. She didn't like it. But, uh, you know, we're not for for everybody, right? And so I only want to impact the people who want to be impacted by this. And if they don't, it's fine. Like, find the thing you do want to be impacted by. How good was that? Yeah. Because (laughs) you gave her some, she couldn't face her own self. So she Mm -hmm. had to hang up on you. Yeah. That's wild. Well, yeah. I'm sure that changed her on some level. Maybe. Um, and But again, it's that domino effect. Like we impact things and we don't even understand why. I think it's the difference. You know, we hold the door open for somebody and make a comment about how nice they look. That could be the difference of them going home and committing suicide or not. Yeah. Right? We, we never know how we're going to impact people. So I always think that we have to just try to show up as the best version of ourselves, and in the most honest way, which is not always the nicest way, but I think honesty is the kind way. And I think it's more important to be kind than nice. Yeah. You go tell that lady that reviewed my property. (laughs) Okay. So Allison, tell us one, what's the name of the game and where can we find it? And then where do you want us to send people to find out more about you? All right. Well, my website's dominothinking.com. That's the easiest place to find everything about me. My contact information's on there and I answer all of my emails. So I don't care if it's just a question or um, a comment or whatever the case may be. I'm always more than happy to entertain um, connection. And uh, my game, I'm just uh, working on the prototype. So I'm hoping it's going to be available by by mid-April, by the time I get it back from um, getting developed and uh, I'm always available to speak at events about this sort of thing and uh, my course will also be coming out in April so stay tuned to my website you'll be able to get newsletters if you want and with updates about all the stuff that's coming up Alrighty, and I was just going to throw in in our final couple of minutes, is there anything that we overlooked? Is there a question you wish we would have asked you? Is there something that is still inside you that you just want to make sure you get a chance to say? Uh, I think I want to draw attention to a meme that I'm seeing on Facebook. It's a Charlie Brown one. And Charlie Brown says, well, we only live once. And Snoopy says, no, we live every day. We only die once. And... Yes. And I love this as an example of every single day you have a chance to live and you get to decide how you want to live. Do you want to live as a victim or do you want to live free? Nice. Okay, Allison, it was very interesting. We really enjoyed having you on the show. Um, We will see you at the New Media Summit in Tampa. Oh, my God. So excited. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. so much for this conversation. It's really been delightful. All right. Thanks, Allison. Yeah, so that was actually, uh, I I love hearing people who think opposite. 
right? Not just as, because that's their book title, but I just, I love the concept of when someone is zigging, you zag. Right. Like everyone's, it just seems like uh, there are a lot of people uh, kind of go back in the history of, of man. Like if you didn't stand in with the tribe, you got kicked out of the tribe and you died, right? You had to find your little place. But we live in this time now where you get to choose your tribe. Your tribe can be on the opposite side of the world. Yeah. That was never happening in the past. Your tribe by choice now. Hmm. And it's, so it's always cool to, to listen to someone who's just thinks about something in a different way than you used to hear. Well, and when the interview first started and I was going through some of her website and uh, content, at first I thought, okay, this is a great concept. But after listening to her for the whole interview, we can do this throughout all of our interactions throughout the day. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, back to her, the... The meme at the end, the Facebook meme. No, mm-hmm. you only die once. You get a chance to live every day, right? It's it's a new. She didn't say this, but it kind of goes back to what you've heard me say a couple times. Like, it's never too late for a happy childhood. You could have had a shitty one, but that could lead you to make all these decisions to look back on your life and say that was exactly the childhood I needed to have to get me here. Yeah, and I mentioned um, Sharon. Lynn Wyeth, she's the namology gal. And she said, you can, in a name, know who you, who your parents were and why you needed them to bring you into this world. So nothing's a mistake. Yeah, that's a wild one. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to have her on again. But. Yeah, that's, oh, she's fascinating. Okay, we did it without Steve Olsher. We missed you, Steve. <laughs> Always love having you here. We'll, we won't see him until New Media Summit, too. I know. So this will probably be airing about the time we're there. So thank you for listening to Reinvention Radio and hanging with Richard and I and Wade. Uh, Thanks, Kelly, for the wonderful text she sends to us uh, to keep us in line during the show, which is great. (laughs) Oh, and and real quick, if somebody still wants to go to the New Media Summit, uh, any suggestions on what they could do? Go to newmediasummit.net, but they're not going to be able to now. It's all sold out. But coming in September 2019 in San Diego, so you can get to that one. And I really, really, really think you should. Okay, we're out. You just got dismantled. Thanks for listening to Reinvention Radio. For more information about the show and your host, Steve Olsher, visit reinventionradio.com. Attention coaches, authors, speakers, and business owners. Please pay close attention to what I'm about to say if you want to secure massive visibility fast and generate thousands of highly qualified leads without spending a dime on advertising or marketing. The easiest way to make this happen is to appear as a guest on the world's most popular podcast. We recently came across an awesome resource that provides detailed contact information for 240 new media influencers who are looking for guests just like you. It's called the Ultimate Directory, and for a limited time, you can get the preview edition of the directory absolutely free. That's right, for free. It's time for you to get the visibility you and your business deserve and connect with the world's leading icons of influence who can make you famous with the push of a button. Get your free preview edition of the Ultimate Directory right now at www.myultimatedirectory.com That's myultimatedirectory.com